and amen. How's everyone this morning? Good, man. You guys excited to be here? Good. I hope so because I'm excited to preach the Word of God today, okay? Uh, I've been praying all week that God would do something awesome today, and I believe that day is here. And uh, so I just want to say, first of all, welcome. If it's your first time here, my name's Buck Benton. I get to serve you as the campus pastor here at Connection Church Dublin. Uh, I'm very humbled, honored, and thankful that I get to do that. Uh, see, here at Connection Church, we have a very simple mission statement. Everything we do, all the decisions we make are centered around one thing. That's connecting people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. From the songs we sing to everything else, that's what we do. So I want to extend a warm welcome to you, and I pray that you felt welcome. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 4. And I, I really feel led to just go right in and, and share something of uh, what, the, what they're preaching about, or I'm sorry, what they were singing about is all your promises are yes and amen, right? And I want to tell you something. Something I've learned on this journey is that God's faithful. He's faithful to do what he says he'll do, and he's faithful. All of his promises truly are yes and amen, okay? So I want to share a text with you today of what Jesus came to do, all right? And really what Jesus came to do. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. This won't be on the screen. I just really feel led to share this with you. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. I take that back. It will be on the screen. Told you a story. All right. This is what it says. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. This is what Jesus came to do, to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you that, uh, Lord, he didn't come to condemn, but he came to give life. God, Father, he came to this earth to make a way for us. And Lord, your promises are yes and amen, Father, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you're a good father, you're trustworthy. Lord, Lord your words are good. And uh, Father, we thank you for that. Lord, I just pray right now in this time, Father, that, uh, that you would speak through me, God, that you would come and dwell among us. God, I pray that um, no matter what, uh, anyone walked in here with, Father, struggles, chains, um, difficulty. God, I just pray right now that you would, just, uh, you would just be with them. Let them know that you're very present in this place. God, I pray that you would come and speak to us in a powerful way, Lord. We're banking on it. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, cool. So I can't stand it anymore. I'm so excited they're here. Would you guys give a warm connection to Church Dublin? Welcome to the East Lawrence football team. If you guys would stand up, we want to say thank you for being here. Thank you, guys. Cool. So I get the privilege of, uh, of doing devotion with these guys on Thursdays. It's something I, I genuinely enjoy and I love doing. Before God called me to preach, uh, I was a high school teacher and a coach, so a lot of my heart is there. And so I'm thankful that God's uh, given me the opportunity, and Coach Robinson and the staff has given me the opportunity to do that. I'm very grateful that they're here. I'm excited about all the things God's doing at East Lawrence. The second thing that we've got to celebrate, because it's what we do, is last week we saw someone in our service here come from, go from death to life and trust Jesus with their life. Can we just say thank you to God for that? <laughs> Amen. Cool. And Brittany's going to get on to me because I couldn't find my t-shirt. But if you'll look, we've got something awesome going on Wednesday. I want to extend a, a, an invitation to the football team and, and any youth in the, in the community that Wednesday we've got lunch night. 
and it's going to be awesome. We're believing that God's going to do some incredible things in our youth ministry here, and so we're officially kicking it off that we'll be meeting in the, the theater here on Wednesdays now, and we're just praying that God would grow this ministry and we would continue to see young people get connected to a growing relationship with Jesus. So if you know of anyone, make sure you bring those guys, okay? All right, cool. Now let's dive into it. We're in a series that we've called Bigger Than Me. And what Bigger Than Me is all about is we've been talking about the local church. And that the local church was not designed to be something that fits us, but rather once we understand who Jesus is and how big Jesus is, and that of all the things he created in the heavens and the earth and all of his creation, he looked down on our tiny planet, insignificant planet. He looked in on the people on this planet and said, those people, those are my church. That's my prized possession. In all of the universe, I love my church. And y'all want to know proof that Jesus Christ loves his church? He gave his life for it. He gave his life for it at the cross. And so if that's true, in which we know it is, what can we as the church, the body of Christ, what does he want for us? What are we supposed to be doing as the church? And so the first week we talked about we must be at Connection Church Dublin. We must be a place of hope. That no matter what people are going through, what their week consists of, that they can find hope here. That they know they're going to come and be welcomed by people that love them and care about them. That they're going to hear about the good name of Jesus. They're going to hear the gospel. The second week we talked about generosity, how we must be a generous church. That once we understand how generous God's been with us, that we can't help but be generous with what he's given us. That we're generous both to the church and both to those outside of the church. And last week we talked about community. That we must be a place where we value community. All right? I hope you guys feel welcome. How many of you felt welcome when you walked in? You better have, man, because I want to tell you, I'm excited that you're here. That we're glad when faces walk through that door, man, it lights us up. We're excited that you came to church with us today, and that's really the community we want to create. And so today, if you're taking notes, this is what we're going to be talking about today, is we must be a place that sees people like Jesus. Hear that again. We must be a place that sees people like Jesus. And I'm so excited today, because I think it's going to be a, a, a great time together. And so um, I have this theory I want to share with you guys, and I want to open up by sharing a personal story of mine, I have this theory that Jesus will do whatever it takes to reach his children. Hear that again. I believe that Jesus will do whatever it takes to reach his church, to reach his people, all right? I believe there's no boundary that Jesus won't cross to reach those that he's drawing to himself. And I want to share uh, a story that I'm watching this play out in my life. See, about uh, it's been about two, two and a half years ago, um, my uncle came to know Jesus, the last person I thought on this planet would come to know Jesus. He gave his life to Christ, and eight days later, he passed away tragically, right? And so I've shared that story many times. But since then, since that day, I've been praying in faith for my aunt, okay, to come to know Jesus, all right? Now, she lives in California. I mean, you guys, if you, anybody ever been to California? Hey, it's a different speed, wouldn't you agree? It's a little different, right? So she lives all the way in California. I never hardly get to see her, but almost daily, I'm praying for her to come to know Jesus, all right? And so when she comes home, it's kind of awkward because, you know, her, her nephew's a pastor. And so she's, you know, I don't think she knows Christ yet. And so it, it can be kind of awkward. But this visit, she came in and the first time I saw her, her eyes were lit up. And she was so excited to tell me something. And I was like, okay, well, I wonder what's going on. And Beverly begins to tell me this story about a neighbor. And so she has a neighbor. He's divorced. And he has a, uh, I believe he's 11, an 11-year-old 11 son named Frank, all right? 
Now, Frank seems like a, a cool character. He actually uh, is a very bright kid. There's, a pic, there's some videos of him on YouTube actually building a computer. He's like 11. He's like one of those kids. He's a genius, all right? And so Frank is very smart. Frank also has the, probably the cutest lisp I've ever heard. He kind of talks like this. My name's Flank, all right? And uh, so he's got a lisp. And as you might can imagine, Frank has some trouble at school, all right? Frank goes to school and... and Beverly was telling me he gets picked on some, that he has some problems and some mental issues and some issues at school with bullying and that sort of thing. But my aunt's great with kids, and she loves Frank, and Frank loves Beverly, and, and the two really have a bond together. And so she really helps Frank out when he comes home from school, and they build a really good relationship. Well, Frank's getting ready to go to camp, okay, to summer camp, and he's like, Beverly, Beverly, I do not want to go to camp. Anything, don't let my daddy send me. And Beverly's trying to encourage him, like, hey, Frank, it's going to be cool, man. I used to go to camp and ride horses, and I love summer camp. It's going to be good, all right? And so she kind of coerces him, and, and he gets sent off to camp, okay? Well, Frank comes home, and Frank usually is drudgery. Like I said, he deals with all these issues at school, and his face is lit up. And he comes running in the door, and he tells Beverly, 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 I've got to tell you something. I met Jesus. I met Jesus. And he began to tell her all about this camp and how this, this camp counselor was talking about the Lord. And this camp counselor, like, Beverly, I know now that, that, that God, I'm a friend of God, that God's my father and I'm taken care of. And he's like, Beverly, I've got to tell you about Jesus. All right? And so, y'all, this is no lie. You can't make this stuff up. So now she told me, I'm sure uh, Frank, by the way, now she calls him Father Frank. All right? Um, father Frank is probably in school now, but every morning... Uh, she said she would hear a tapping on the door. She would hear a tapping on the door, and it would be Frank. said, Beverly, I've got your coffee. It's time to read the Bible, all right? And so every morning, Frank has been reading the Bible to my aunt hundreds of miles away. I don't know Frank, but by gosh, I'm thankful for the Lord for Frank. That God does whatever he has to, that he crosses whatever boundary. And this story hasn't finished yet, but I'm telling you, y'all, we're going to celebrate this one day because I believe she's going to come to know Jesus. And I believe God does whatever it takes to go and reach his children, all right? So I'm thankful for Father Frank, and I can't wait to meet him one day, all right? So I, I want to reiterate that and tell you that today as we talk about how we must see people, that we must see people as Jesus, I believe with all my heart, God does whatever it takes to reach his, to reach his children. Did you guys know that he doesn't need us to do that? Did y'all know that? That he loves and he chooses to use us, but man, God will do what it takes to reach his children. And so today I, I want to talk about that. What's our part? And to do that, we must see people as Jesus does. So turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. We're going to look at some boundaries that Jesus crosses to go reach people, okay? Some boundaries that you and I may see that Jesus is like, man, I ain't nothing. Watch what I can do, okay? So Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. It's titled, Jesus Heals a Man with Leprosy. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him 
and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. First thing I want you to see in this is that Jesus crosses cultural boundaries to reach people. Hear that again. Jesus crosses cultural boundaries to reach people. And to understand this, you've got to understand the magnitude of a man with leprosy, what that meant. See, the context we learn in some of the other Gospels that Jesus just got done preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Probably the greatest sermon of all time. All the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching, okay? Like, he was the man. Anybody on the planet would have followed Jesus. They would have done whatever he said, okay? Now, if that was you or I, we would have come down off that mountain, Bible spike, ready to go, you know? I'm the man. You know what I'm saying? And so, Jesus comes down off the mountain, and the first person he goes to, y'all, the first person Jesus goes to see is a man with leprosy. Now, if you had leprosy in this time period, it's bad news for you. It was Jewish law that you, you couldn't be within 15 feet of a person with leprosy. So imagine this person. Imagine the outcast he feels. That no one's given him physical contact. He's not touched anyone. No one's been within 15 feet of him for years. All right? No one's been within 15 feet of him. And the culture said, man, they are, get away from them. That the, the, the culture says they're, they're no good. You can't get near them. But what does Jesus do? Jesus walks to the man and touches him, all right? And he heals him. He goes right to the, the person, the last person the culture said he should go to. So how does this apply in our life, all right? If we're, beyond, if we're being honest, we all put on a cultural lens. Wouldn't you guys agree? That if you look in our country today, we don't see people like Jesus does. Because see, the world saw a man that was ill. The world saw a man that didn't need to be touched. A man, the world saw a man that was too far gone. And what Jesus saw was his son. Hear that again. Jesus saw his son and he came and touched him. But see, the cultural lens you and I put on, all right, it has many names. One is race. One is this, is money. Another one is background or family history. I know some of you walked in here today all right? And you think because of who you've been or what your family's done or what your name is here in this community that somehow, some way, Jesus looks different at you. I want to tell you something, that we're all level at the foot of the cross, every single person in here. And I want to tell you something God put deep in my heart since God birthed this vision for this church right here in Dublin is that this was not meant to be a place where all the people that look alike, act alike, come and sit together, right? I want to tell you something. God didn't want that for this place, and he buried that deep in my heart. That God meant to have a place where the kingdom of God could come. Because I want to tell you something. When we get to heaven one day, there's going to be every tribe, nation, and tongue represented. All glorified, all giving glory to God. You hear me? Now tell me, what sense does it make? Why would God want a church that doesn't look like heaven? Hear that again. Why would God want a church that doesn't look like heaven? And look around. God's been faithful to answer that prayer week after week. Can we just say thank you, Lord, that he's been doing that? I want to tell you why there's a little bit more gas on this message. When I was first planting the church, okay, and why this subject is so important to me, because one, I know God told me to do it, but second of all, I made a call to someone, someone that, that I respected, and I respected their opinion, and, and I was getting ready to plant the church, and, and, uh, and I asked them, I said, man, you know, what do you think about it? What do you think? And I began to become aware that this person didn't want me to plant a church here, that it was almost like offensive that I would do it. And they're like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And I'm like, man, I, the Lord's telling me to do this. 
And he asked this question, y'all, and it's been it's stuck with me ever since. He says, you don't, basically he was saying you don't know what you're doing. But second of all, he said, who's your target audience? Who's your target audience? And I'm thinking, brother, this same Bible, this same Jesus that, that you and I know, I want to tell you something, there are no targets. targets. Mankind is our target, all right? Anybody that's far from God, the people with leprosy, people that are far from God, we have no targets. We preach the gospel and pray in faith that men and women would come to know Jesus. No matter what they've done, who they've done it with, or how far they think they're away from God, that gospel message still works. Amen? Amen. So I, I want to tell you that is that God's been faithful. And God's been faithful to show us that it can be done. That this is a place where you're welcome. Where you can come and hear the gospel. Where you can come and gather together to hear the word of God. And so I want to tell you that is that Jesus is not afraid of cultural boundaries. He hop right over them, man. He'll plow through them. And that God will do whatever it takes to grow his kingdom. And he's been doing that here. And so I'm very grateful and I'm thankful. So the first thing we can see is this. Is that Jesus will cross cultural boundaries to reach his children. And I pray at Connection Church Dublin that that would always be the case. That no matter what your 401k is. No matter what your name is in the community or what... Your name isn't. Maybe some of you today, you feel like you're disqualified because of your past. That surely God could not love me. Maybe you feel like the man with leprosy. Why would anyone touch me? Look at the sin in my life. Look at what I've done. Look at what my family's done. Look at where I come from. Look at the neighborhood I'm from. Why would Jesus come and touch me? I want to tell you something, man. That's who he came to seek and save. That's what he came to do. Amen? Let's keep reading. Verse 17, it says Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. It says, one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because the crowd because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your faith, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was filled, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Second thing I want you to take... I want you to take with you today is that Jesus crosses physical boundaries. All right? Hear that again. Jesus crosses physical boundaries. And I want to talk about a couple things here. But first of all is this, is that I've seen Jesus do things physically that only he could take credit for. I want to share a short story. My grandfather, bless him, he just turned 82 years old. I love him to death. Uh, he's 82, and Joker, when he retired, he got an earring right here. All right? Just old country boy and, like, it shocked everybody. Uh, he used to run a stockyard, all right? He'd wear Wranglers and boots, and, and son of a gun told everybody, man, when I retire, I'm going to get me one, uh, and, and I'll be darned if he didn't, okay? But I love my granddaddy very much, and, and not too long ago, he was diagnosed with cancer, all right? 
and I, y'all, I cannot explain it, and I love him to death, and, and, and I'm very grateful for him. He's a solid man, and, and I, I just love him. But y'all, Jesus told me in my heart it's going to be okay that, that he had him, and I can't explain it to you now, but man, I just started praying for him, and, and praise the Lord. I know I'm not going to elaborate in the story, but he's healed, cancer-free right now, today. 82 years and rocking. I've seen the Lord give child where there was none. I've seen physical things. Jesus can cross physical boundaries to reach his children. And sometimes he crosses physical boundaries so that he can awaken you spiritually. Hear that again. Sometimes he'll do the miraculous physically so that he can awaken you spiritually. But I want to I focus on something a little different in this text. I want to focus on the men, okay? I want to focus on the men that, that lifted the paralyzed man. And see, people with paralysis, a lot of times what would happen, the Pharisees... In the synagogues, a lot of times people, the paralyzed people or people with ailments would be laying outside the synagogue and really the, the Pharisees would just walk by them and that they would almost see a nuisance in a way and that these people would come and poor people and they would come and beg. But here's the deal. This is what I love so much. While the Pharisees saw a nuisance, the followers of Christ saw an opportunity. Hear that again. That while the Pharisees saw a nuisance, the followers of Christ saw an opportunity. And this is what they did. Look. It says that they lifted the man. There was a big crowd in the way, but they knew in their heart, if I could get this man to Jesus, Jesus can do what he does, and that's save and heal. Amen? And that they knew, if I could just get him to Jesus, I know what Jesus can do. And I love the story of their faith in this this story here. And it says that, in verse 19, it says, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. Look at this, they lowered this cat down. How cool was that? It says they lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Believers, I want to tell you something. Once we've understood and we know the power of Jesus, the people in our life will do whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. Hear that again. Once we've understood and we know this power, the power that Jesus Christ has, we'll begin to do whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. And see that they didn't see just a a physical boundary, but rather they said, man, whatever we've got to do, I've got to get this man to Jesus. And so, some of you may not be physically hurting today or broken. Some of you may have come in here spiritually in bad shape today. That maybe you don't know what this whole thing's about. Maybe you've, you've been around it or maybe you've heard of it. Or probably, and this is probably a lot of the, the, the place here, is you've had a bad experience with the church. All right? I've had a bad experience with the church. Okay? But I want to tell you something. This is all about Jesus. I want to tell you who he says he is is rock solid. All right? He is who he says he is, right? And he has the ability, and he can save you. He can fix you. He can heal brokenness. In situations where you don't see any way to be healed, I want to tell you, at the foot of Jesus, he can do things that you know you could never do on your own. Amen? That's who Christ is. But see, as believers, we've got to do that. We've got to see people, not for where they are, but for who they could be in Christ. Hear that again. We don't see people for where they are in their brokenness, but rather we see people for who they could be in Christ. And what that's called is a gospel lens. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. It's a gospel lens. I want to tell you, when you're planting a church here, I I really wanted to press this home because it's just true, man. You know, I talked about that cultural lens. We like to see people differently because maybe they don't look like us, they don't talk like us, they don't come from the same neighborhood as us, they don't have the same upbringing. We love to do that. I want to tell you, man, when you put on a gospel lens, none of that stuff matters, all right? 
Because once we put on a gospel lens, I want to tell you what the whole world looks like. Everybody listen, I got your attention. This is what the whole world looks like. Those that know Jesus and those that don't. Hear that again. Those that know Jesus and those that don't. And I want to tell you what that looks like is this. is Once we realize and we know, man, if they're in sin, if they're broken, if they're in bondage, and they don't know Jesus, guess what? They're doing exactly what they should be doing. And for you and I as a believer, if we didn't have Jesus, we'd be doing the same thing. Hear that again? That sin's who we are. It's not just something we do. And so we begin to see people differently, that we don't see people for what they've done or where they've been, but rather we see people as, man, if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to start praying for this man or this woman. I'm going to begin to pray, and I'm going to begin to do what it takes to get them to Jesus. All right? And I want to tell you, if you know people in your life like that, we want to partner with you, okay? Because here's the deal I can promise you. When you bring them here, they're going to hear the gospel because we're going to preach it every week. We're going to preach about the good news of Jesus and pray that he continues to do what he does, and that saves people. Amen? Everybody with me today? All right, let's read. Let's look at uh, verse 27. Remember the second thing, Jesus will cross physical boundaries as well as spiritual boundaries to save his children. Verse 27, it says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus. Hear that again. He held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them. I I love this. Everybody cued in. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. I love that story. One of my favorite texts in all the Bible, because you get to really see the heart of Jesus. And this is the third thing I'd like to leave you with, is this. Jesus crosses religious boundaries to go get his children. Hear that again. Jesus crosses religious boundaries to go get his children. And I could talk about religion for days, because y'all know what? I grew up in a home where I went to church every Sunday. I was there. I was present. I did some good things, and the community saw me as a, a good young man and a guy that did a lot of right, and he did a lot of this and a lot of that. I want to tell you, man, the, the, the gospel is not about what you've done. It's about who you know. And here's the deal. I thought that by my own good works that I had it, that I could be good to go, that if I did a little more good than I did bad, then I would be all right. And I thought that Jesus loved me by how good I was doing. Okay? And nothing could be farther from the truth. That's religion. See, what Jesus wants is relationship. And that when I finally got to the point when I was in my 20s and I finally got to the point where I realized my righteousness doesn't do anything for God, but I need to humble myself and become brokenly before the throne, that's when Christ met me and that's when I had a real relationship with Jesus. Amen? And so that's the, the truth of the gospel is this, that Jesus will cross over religious boundaries. And to know that, you've got to know who tax collectors were in this time. Tax collectors were the worst of the worst, okay? First of all, how many of you guys are fired up for the spring to pay taxes? Anybody? Anybody fired up for that? Your boy been paying in for years. I ain't liking it, all right? The government's doing work on me, been beating me up for years, okay? So we naturally, for all the time, we don't really like tax collectors to start with, but these Jews hated tax collectors because a lot of times they were cunning. They would ask way beyond what they were supposed to, that they would pocket some of the money. They're like the first century car dealers. All right, I take that back. 
there's probably car dealers in here. I immediately retract that statement. Um, joking, joking. Don't, man, I probably shouldn't have said that. All right. Uh, but these were the folks, okay, that everyone loved to hate. They couldn't really trust them. They, they, they didn't believe they were who they said they were. And look, they were Jews working for the Roman government and collecting money for Caesar. I mean, when we say sinner, the religious people were like, man, those are the worst. Those are the worst. Like in our day, you know, maybe it's, it's uh, you know, someone that's out on the street doing whatever. Whatever the farthest outcast is in our context, that's who the tax collectors were. And religious people said, you've got to stay away from these people. Stay away from them. They're the worst. They're unclean. They're no good. And what did Jesus go and do? He stood right and he crossed that boundary. He stood, he crossed that boundary, that religious boundary of you can't go to him. And he stood right in front of Levi. And look what he told Levi. Follow me. Follow me. And what did Levi do? Look in verse 27, verse 28. And Levi, the sinner that was so far from God, the sinner that the community said he's too far gone. Levi stood and he looked up and he left everything. What does the Bible say? It says, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Okay? How, good news, how much good news is that? That God doesn't save us based on our merit. He saves us because of his goodness. See, the, see, the culture and religious people, saw they saw a brokenness. They saw someone too far gone. They saw a sinner. Jesus saw an opportunity. Jesus saw an opportunity. He, wanted, he wants to reach his children, y'all. He'll cross over any boundary to do that. One thing I want to share with you, and I love when Brandon, our senior pastor in Statesboro, talks about this. Um, he, he started, uh, we started reaching some of the folks at New Beginnings in Christ and Addiction Ministry in Statesboro. And so uh, a lot of times those guys, when they would unload and come into church on Sunday, um, they would get one, one last drag on a cigarette right before they walked in, okay? Like these are some of the folks that they've been struggling with addiction and drugs drugs for a lot of their life and uh and i love when he talks about this story because early on in the church people began to get frustrated like man they, they shouldn't be smoking around the church and they shouldn't be smoking around the church and and i love it and brandon said well man i praise god because let me tell you they were smoking something different a year ago right and that it's not about where people have been but y'all it's where they're headed and that when we see people we can't see where they're at but we can see where they could be in christ that we don't look at people and we discredit them for where they've been, but we know that the power of the gospel gets a hold of their life. We know who they could be in Christ. And y'all, you want to know why I know that's true? Because the power of the gospel got a hold of me and it changed everything. It changed me from a religious man to a man that loved Jesus. And praise God that he did. So Jesus will cross religious boundaries. So as we get ready to close, I, I, I want to ask you guys th this question is, what's been your experience with Jesus? What's been your experience with Jesus? Because I want to tell you that all this is what Jesus has been doing. Jesus has been crossing boundaries. The whole sermon's been about Jesus hopping over boundaries. He went over, uh, he went over cultural boundaries to go reach the leper. He went over physical boundaries to heal the paralyzed man. He crossed over religious boundaries to go heal the sinner too far from God. I want to tell you, you're thinking, well, what's our job? What, what do we do? I want you to look in verse 12 real quick. Chapter 5, verse 12. It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, now look at this. Look, it says, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, 
Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I want you to take this with you. Faith activates God's activity. Hear that again. Faith activates God's activity. That what do we do? If Jesus will do whatever it takes to reach his children, well, if we want to be children of God, what do we have to do? Here's the deal. Have faith. Have faith. And this is how I would define faith. I love J.D. Greer. He, he said this one time, and it always stuck with me. This is what faith is. We want to take this with you. Saving faith looks like, th- looks like this. Being honest about where I'm at, okay, and letting Christ transform me into someone I know I could never be on my own. Hear that again. Being honest about the sin of my life, being honest about where I'm at, and having faith that Christ can transform me into someone I know I could never be on my own. That's what saving faith looks like. Faith activates God's activity. See it again in verse 20. If we could put verse 20 up, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, okay, hear that again. Faith activates God's activity. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. All right? Faith activates God's activity. And one more time in verse 27, we've already seen this. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. So remember, Jesus has hopped over the boundary. He's come right up to Levi, right in his face, okay? There's no denying that Jesus is there. Just like many of you, there's no denying that Jesus is right there right now. That right now, Jesus is doing what it takes to reach you. That maybe it's been a message you've heard. Or maybe God's put the person in your life, the only person you would ever listen to. The only person that you would hear what they have to say. That God specifically commissioned and brought that person into your life to hear this message that he loves you. And Jesus said, follow me. And what did Levi do? He got up and left everything and followed him. He placed his faith in Jesus. It takes a response, and that response is faith. I want to tell you, if you know that one of these people is you, I want to tell you, man, Christ will meet you exactly where you're at. It just takes a step of faith. And we believe that. We know when we place our faith in Jesus, he can save us right where we are. So maybe today sin's been beating you up. Maybe today you're realizing that, man, I'm one of those folks that, man, I'm so far gone from God. God, How could God ever love me? I want to tell you something. That gospel message still works. It's still available today. And God's been doing it here. And we're so thankful. And so today, if that's you, if you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that maybe it's been religious or you've just been too far gone, I want to extend that to you today. And one thing at our church is it's not something that we do awkwardly or whatever. We ask that you raise your hand. And man, what we do is celebrate like crazy with you because it's the best decision, the best news in the whole planet. Okay? So if you know that today's the day you want to know Jesus as Lord of your life, I'm just going to ask you to be bold. Would you raise your hand? Is that anybody here today? I'm going to give you a second. Then I know... God is who he says he is. And I want to encourage you and tell you that, man, he's still faithful to save. He can. Amen. Well, for the rest of us, I want to encourage you. That gospel lens we've been talking about, I pray that today that God spoke that into your heart, that we would begin to see people like Jesus, that we must be a church that sees people like Jesus. Amen. Just want you to know I love you. I'm very grateful for you. And I pray that God would speak to you in a powerful way and that you would have an awesome week. I love you more than you'll ever know. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you for these men and women. God, thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Lord, I'm thankful for the gospel that it still continues to reach people. And God,
God, I'm thankful for that. Lord, I pray right now that whatever you've put on our hearts, Lord, that in this time, that you would just help us to come forward and respond to whatever you've put on our hearts. And God, that we would lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Lord, we love you.